Learn everything you need to know to form and benefit from a successful client advisory board from the man who has led more client advisory board meetings than anyone in the financial services industry. Stephen Wershing, CFP, has been helping financial advisory firms create and utilize client advisory boards as a business building strategy for over seven years. And now you can get his best advice for a small fraction of the cost by attending this one-day program held just before the NAPFA 2018 conference on October 15th in Philadelphia. By the end of this one-day program, you will have a complete and thoughtful plan to make your client advisory board a reality or make a bigger success of the one you already have. What you'll learn includes how to choose the right participants for your board, creating an effective board meeting agenda, choosing a venue, what restaurants won't tell you, choosing the right person to run your meetings, and upgrading the client experience with your board's guidance. The program also includes guest speaker Marie Swift, president and CEO of Impact Communications, a thought leader for thought leaders. She is known for bringing some of the industry's best and brightest voices together for dialogue and debate. She'll teach you how to leverage your advisory board and your marketing. You'll walk out with a complete action plan for getting your advisory board together or to make your current board a bigger success. Go to napfa.advisoryboard.solutions. One day, October 15th, in Philadelphia, can show you how to deepen your client relationships and engage them like never before. Having a conversation with some of your best clients may be the fastest way to referrals and more clients. Don't miss this opportunity. Go to napfa.advisoryboard.solutions to sign up for this event today. That's napfa.advisoryboard.solutions. Now, Becoming Referrable. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and on this week's show, Steve and I are joined by Kevin Mulhern, the CEO and founding partner of AdvisorStream. Kevin is absolutely passionate about helping advisors to use content marketing, and he has been doing that since before we even use terms like content marketing in this industry. But it isn't just about using any content. Kevin believes that getting the right content to the right clients from the right sources not only drives deeper engagement, but can help differentiate you. We talked to him about how content marketing fits into an overall engagement strategy, as well as best practices for sending original content versus curated content. And just as important, Kevin shares ideas on how all of this drives more referrals. And with that, let's get straight to the interview. So Kevin Mulhern, welcome to Becoming Referrable. So pleased to have you. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, Steve. Um, I am thrilled to be talking to you today. Now, uh, I've I've had the pleasure of knowing Kevin for a lot of years. We've both been uh, we live not far from one another and have been in the industry. And I'm so, I'm just so excited to see the way this business has grown. So looking forward to the conversation. And maybe we can just start, Kevin, with kind of an overview of your business, Advisor Stream, and what it does. Sure. Uh, and thank you, Julie. That's right. Julie and I, um, actually, my first job in Canada was working 
basically under Julie uh, at a very uh, great small consulting firm in Toronto, Canada. Uh, so it's great to be here today. Um, so I can I can take some credit if uh, if if this goes really well. I think. <laughs> well, I think that there's some truth in that, uh, but we'll have to <laughs> separate that for another conversation. Um, so Advisor Stream is an automated marketing system. Um, it's an omni-channel digital marketing system or platform for financial advisors. Uh, it was built by financial advisors. Uh, we had a advisory board with advisors from across the U.S. and Canada help us design it. And it enables them to consistently deliver real-time, engaging, premium content. It allows them to position themselves as thought leaders, as a top resource for relevant news and educational material, uh, and to stay top of mind with their clients and prospects. And it's, it's a service which has been created in partnership with the world's leading publishers. So we work with New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Barron's, Forbes, Fortune, Washington Post, and, and about 20 other publishers, um, and Financial Times soon to come on as we go into the UK. Uh, and, and so we curate content in real time. And it's the most relevant, credible content we can find for advisors to use with their clients and prospects. That's generally what we do. And and the genesis of this, I mean, it's it's we're in the content marketing uh, realm here. Um, right. What was the genesis of creating this business? How does it how does it help advisors? Right. Well, about five years ago, uh, I guess six years ago, five six years ago, I had been working like yourself, Julie, uh, with advisors uh, all around, uh, both in Canada and the U.S. Um, and one thing I noticed while at at a, bro a brokerage uh, firm that I was a partner at, uh, was that advisors really weren't taking advantage of the new digital marketing tools that were out there, not taking advantage of that uh, one-to-many nature of digital marketing. And so I dug down a little bit in that, started asking some questions, did some focus groups across the country. And it turned out that advisors, A, didn't have time to sit down and do all these great uh content marketing uh, opportunities, take, take advantage of these opportunities. One, they didn't have time. Two, it wasn't really their wheelhouse. It wasn't really something they had spent a lot of time in the past. I think the average age of an advisor when, when we started this was about 57 or just over 57. And, and they'd already built a lot of them successful practices with traditional marketing means and maybe didn't really see uh, the value or just the, how large the return on investment could be. Um, so we thought, Basically, what we would do is see if we could build a system that would automate this, but automate it in a way that gave advisors a lot of control at the time of setting up their accounts and their advisor stream accounts so that they would decide what content from our publishing partners, what content from their head office, what content that they themselves have created would be used to post content to their web properties, their Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, their website or their blog. And also what content would be included in, in their outgoing email communications. So the genesis really was a need that wasn't being filled. Uh, a lot of advisors not taking advantage of really powerful digital marketing tools. And at the center of that was really content marketing. And so, Kevin, can you just for the benefit of, of our listeners who are not familiar with some of these terms, can you define what content marketing is? Sure. Um, it's funny. Um, you can 
you know, go online and, and get all kinds of different uh, descriptions of what content marketing is. Um, and I'll, I'll give you kind of a description that is similar to ones you may have seen before, but then I'll dig down onto a little bit of, um, you know, our personal view here at Advisor Stream on this. But content marketing is an approach focused on delivering, obviously, valuable content that is credible, uh, it's relevant to your clients and prospects, and ultimately it's content that will help you grow uh, your business through retention of current clients and referrals from clients and referrals that come automatically from web properties. So content marketing can be leveraged to co-brand yourself with third, with relevant third-party premium content um, to help you kind of increase your credibility and build your, your, your thought leadership with different uh, groups of prospects and clients. And we believe strongly that you will need third-party content, quality third-party content, to support your own content or your firm's content um, if you are going to be able to consistently provide this type of information across many channels. And one thing I'd like to say here, and I am going to reference Julie actually, but th there is a huge return on investment if with engaged clients. And what I mean here is that when your clients feel like they are highly engaged with you, the advisor, uh, you'll find that they invest and refer more. Uh, and in fact, Julie, I think you did a study, and correct me if I'm wrong, with, with Vanguard a while back, um, which determined that engaged clients or clients who feel engaged with their advisor invest and refer up to two times as much. So we really do believe there's a strong return here. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now, Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, so I just I wanted to follow that up with with one other question because uh, Kevin, when what what you just said was that that you talked about content as being um, information that that engages with clients that that. Uh, but I think one of the things that I see a lot is people going on social media and promoting a lot of a lot of material that that I don't think probably connects very well with their clients. In fact, I, I can remember one one person in in a, in a client advisory board that I was running said it most explicitly. He said, now this may, is probably not true for all advisors, but for this one advisor in particular, he said, never send me anything I can find on CNBC. I mean, that's just, I can go there for that. Send me stuff that's, you know, and he went on to talk about what was meaningful to him. So can you draw a little bit of a distinction there about, about you know, distinguishing content that does engage clients versus content that gets people to want to, you know, not pay attention to your stream? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really important point, too. I mean, there's lots of, of studies out there. That's an anecdotal situation, but those are kind of sometimes the most revealing when an actual client says, you know, don't send me anything. I believe you said from CNBC. Um, you know, we hear that all the, that, that type of comment all the time. And we saw another Salesforce study that was out last year showing that almost just under 25% of people have actually ended a professional relationship due to receiving irrelevant content, what they deemed as irrelevant content. So I think this is a very serious point. So your question to me is what is relevant content or just to clarify here, or what context advisors? Well, yeah, I mean, what, when, when you were defining content marketing, you said you were talking about, you know, content that engages. But I think one of the challenges is that a lot of the content that's put out there is not engaging. Right. And so, right. you know, so help, help us. So, I mean, sure. I, there's, there's, there's content market, there's effective content marketing, and then there's ineffective or even counterproductive content marketing. Right. And I just wanted to clarify that for the listeners, but also sure. if you could give us any insights in that, I'd appreciate it. 
Yeah, so the, the worst thing you can do is waste your time and then to be counterproductive with that, uh, with that work uh, by, by posting or sending via email content that's not going to be engaging or is irrelevant. Very dangerous practice. Um, so what we do, that's, that's what I can show you, what we've learned over the last five years is it's important that you use highly curated content. What, is, what do I mean by highly curated content? So what, why we form partnerships with the publishers I mentioned is we have built a system that literally connects with all of these publishers and allows us to literally curate or draw down, pull articles, videos, and infographics coming out of the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or Barron's or Economist, et cetera, um, that what is the most successful content. What do, what do I mean by successful content? We only curate or add con the content to our library, that is about the top 5% con of content coming out of our publishing partners. And when I say top 5%, what I'm saying is we have machine data where we can actually see what investors and different personas that subscribe to these publishers are reading. So we know every day what the most popular content, whether that's a video or article or other, coming out of New York Times is. And we specifically, obviously, are curating, in our case, content that is has something that relates to financial planning, wealth management, or just your money life in general. Um, so we're constantly monitoring what content resonated at Wall Street Journal or at New York Times or at The Economist. And we, we decide that that would be relevant and credible and it's very current with an advisor's client. So we ensure that our library is populated with content that we believe will be very palatable for the advisor to put in front of their clients or prospects. From there, we believe that our users, our advisors need to log in, take a look at that pool of relevant, credible, valuable content, and still do a final layer of curation so that they can then send the right content to their different segments. So the right content to the right person at the right time. We often hear this. We help that process by getting rid of the the shave, so to speak, boiling it down to the extremely uh, or the, the content that was uh, extremely resonate uh, resonating extremely well with, with investors today we bring that into our library and allow the advisor to do that final level of curation uh, before they send it out to their clients because they know their clients better than we do yeah, it's interesting to me as well the comment about CNBC because I I don't mind getting good relevant content from major outlets because Somebody, it, it suggests somebody has taken the time to to really curate and find what is good there. And and I don't read everything that comes out. You know what I mean, Steve? So I, I mean, yeah. I think it. And but but I think the point, Kevin, that you made there is so important. Is there isn't a way to hundred percent automate? It sounds like a final level of judgment from the advisor, and that's really what it comes down mm -hmm. to, right? That's right, Julie. Um, you know, we work with a lot of major firms across North America. And what we do is exactly what you're saying. We do our best. We do our best to know that the content we're going to include, for example, in the weekly news update for Mass Mutual or or weekly news update for Cetera Advisors or for Raymond James or whomever it is. We do our best here at Advisor Stream. We have a content team. We use machine data, as I mentioned, to really narrow down the best, most resonant content. Then we have a team who literally builds communications, picks six uh, six articles. Sometimes we'll add a mass mutual piece or a Cetera piece or whomever it is, the firm, 
to four or five other pieces of content that we think will resonate given their performance this week at the publishers. They're highly uh, related to what's occurred this week, whether that was a change in a tax law or a change to a, a 529 plan or a 401k plan, any, anything that is relevant um, to maybe there's been a lot of uh, volatility in the market. So we'll address those things for an advisor. We even write the introduction for that weekly communication. That then goes through the marketing team at that firm. They may make some changes. It's reviewed by the compliance team um, before it's finally presented to each and every advisor who then can make that final judgment. You know what? I don't want the CNBC piece. We don't actually work with that outlet, but we don't want that New York Times article. <laughs> we don't want that Fortune article, and I don't like the intro. I'm going to change the intro. So we try to take care of most of the work, but there's always going to be, as Julie's saying, a job for the advisor to do. There's going to be some work every single week to do that final level of curation. We would love to fully automate it. I and we're 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 much of the way there, but we'll never be to Julie's point fully automated. And I don't care how much IA, uh, you know, uh, or, or artificial intelligence or AI, AI, either one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> IA will be the next one. But you know, the artificial intelligence and all the machine uh, based. Uh, computing and all that stuff. I still think there'll always absolutely be the requirement for an advisor to make sure that he or she has taken that final view of what their clients are going to see. Yeah. And so let me ask, let me ask a, a, a question around how well you can tailor it. So that, that CNBC comment, I, I think that client was being a little hyperbolic that, you know, I think what he was saying was, don't tell me what the market did this week and don't tell me what the unemployment numbers just said. But, um, mm -hmm. The uh, it's it, can you can you um, split that feed and 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 send different things to to um, different parts of your client base based on different interests that they have or or is it one yes. big feed that goes out to your whole list? No, absolutely. Um, so what we do is try to prime the advisor every single week so that they ensure that they're communicating consistently in every week. Um, but a lot of our advisors, a mass, vast majority of our advisors are sending out slightly different communications to the different segments of clients that they're serving, whether that's high net worth, pre-retiree, um, and they could be much more, um, uh, much more segmented into, you know, um, recently graduated, um, married, divorced. There's all kinds of different segments that may receive slightly different content. So, what we do is work with our advisors to help them take that one communication and make it work across many different segments. We highly suggest that you send out curated communications on a consistent basis that is targeted toward your different segments. And even to take it a step further, and we do have some tools that will help you do this, but to take it a step further, um, when it comes down to uh, communicating relevant content, we often suggest and try to help all the different teams we work with to send event-driven communications and persona-driven communications, not always just your general segments, people between this age, male, female, um, et cetera, et cetera, but also event-driven. The things that happen in life are, 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 are things that you want to be involved with, whether that's a new marriage, um, um, someone's graduating from school, obviously somebody's retiring. Uh, someone's buying a cottage, someone's selling a house, uh, someone just had their first child, whatever that event is, there's awesome content out there 
for you that would really resonate and provide value to that person at that moment. So it's not just segmenting. There's event-driven communication, et cetera, that you want to use when you're targeting. And how important, so you mentioned that you create an introduction for that, that an advisor can edit. How important is that introduction in creating context and helping the client understand, this is why I thought it was important for you? Yeah, that is critical. Um, and there's a, a million things I'd like to say related to this whole topic. But to well, stay, we, to we, stay, we only have a half hour. Yeah. As long That's as you right. fit in 30 minutes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Stay focused. Yeah. Talk real fast. I mean, that introduction is critical. It's actually the value in the content is to draw why these pieces of content that you're presenting to your clients is valuable and important, not just valuable, important for them to read. It's, it's, it's important giving you understand their financial situation. You're out there monitoring the world's events and things that are happening each week on their behalf and on their family's behalf. And that intro explains that. Um, I won't read any of the intros here, uh, given that it's radio, we're not going to be displaying them, but uh, I wish I could. So 52 times a year, we create these intros and they tie together those six pieces of content. Um, they tie them together to show why they're all important and why they're relevant to them and their families. So yeah, that's a critical piece, Julie, and that's something we work really hard on every Monday and Tuesday in conjunction with uh, over 250 firms. Right. Yeah, I can see that because otherwise it becomes, and look, we're all guilty of this, you know, thought you'd find this of interest or, you know, yeah. push, pushing it out. And, you know, there's some yeah. truth to that, but but let's face it, I'm, I'm kind of skipping out on the work there. <laughs> right. And people can see that a mile away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so in, in addition to um, curated content, which you're finding other places and going through and deciding that it's a good idea for a client and then sending it to the client, there's also created content. Right. Um, what What are your thoughts about the 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 uh, relevance of each and what the balance might look like between created and curated content? That is a great question and an important uh, an important balance to strike. Um, and there's, there's some, there's some people, uh, some very credible people out there, you two being a couple of them. Michael Kitsis is another one who, who I've had this conversation with. Um, and I, they're both critically important. And so before I jump right into answering it, I just want to mention, again, I, I like to mention studies. Uh, the reason is they give us insights into things we don't have time to figure out 100% ourselves. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of good studies out there on, on communication in general. And so the one thing we try to tell our advisors is, um, you know, similar to that study you did with Vanguard, Julie, that shows the importance of engaging clients. <clears throat> there's also some great studies out there that talk about the realities today of how engaged, how engaged clients are with, with advisors. And so one study was done by Cerulli. Um, a couple of years ago, I think it was called U.S. Asset Management Edge. And in that, they show, they, they determined that advisors, on average, um, provide 26 touch points a year with each of their clients. And the fascinating part was, in talking to those clients, so really determined that all age groups, every age group, from early investor to high net worth, uh, silent, the silent era, the, to the oldest client you might have, they all want more contact. And, and another study similar to that showed that the more you communicate with clients, the more assets you'll convert. So just to make the point that it is important to communicate, and it is important to communicate with both types of content, both your own content, content your firm might create, and third-party content. 
And, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, and we'll get to the balance, which is your real question momentarily. But, you know, you want to have content that you've written or maybe you've had written for you. Lot, there's lots of services out there that will write content given the topics you want to cover as an advisor. We have one ourselves, a ghost written content service. Um, there's also content your firm might write that might resonate with clients that, that you want to use. And then there's that third party content. The reason we strongly believe you need all three is to keep people engaged. It can't be like the Kevin Mulhern show or the, the Dan Smith show where, where that advisor is, it's just every article they get is, is an opinion or insights from that advisor. As valid as they all might be, you get tired of, of, of just hearing from one person. Having content from third parties, you're really borrowing credibility. And like with Advisor Stream, our partnerships allow you to co-brand yourself with that Wall Street Journal article or co-brand yourself with, uh, with a New York Times or an Economist or Bloomberg or Fortune or whatever it is, article or video. And it's, that's another key point we can talk about another day. But there's a great, you want to get that balance of how much content should come from me or appear to have come from me that I've written it. Um, advisors don't have time to write content all, all day long. And hence to consistently put current content on all these digital properties in, in an automated way, you're going to need to pull from a third party source. But as to, to Julie's point, it's going to have to be credible content that people uh, don't find uh, um irrelevant that that could be dangerous so what's the mix what's the right mix um i ask this question as often as i can to people i believe have insights people like you and, and julie and Mike, michael kitz is uh, in june we we did a, a session with him and he's come up with a ratio he believes it's eight to ten third-party pieces of content to every one piece of content that is written in your voice or that you have written that that's would be your own customer personal content so that Michael, that would be in a day, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael, that's that. That means that Michael's still doing three pieces himself. <laughs> I think Michael does three pieces before he hits the road for work. I he mean, really, I know it's wonderful. It's, it's <laughs> wild. Quite, uh, he's an animal I've never seen before. Uh, but for the average human being out there, I think if you could write one a week. Honestly, that's that's hard to do. To write one quality piece of content a week, it's hard to do. I think we should. I think advisors should be doing that. I really do. I also understand that there's a million demands on their time today, and that's why I always preach automation. But uh, but the balance seems to be about ten to one, eight, nine, ten to one. And and I, just to clarify, when you are curating content, and just broadly in terms of the mix of created and curated. Uh, are you making it available to advisors to email as well as to post uh, socially and, and have all of the right formats for those different things? Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we call it omni-channel, meaning if they're, which actually means, let me, let me specify, it means we provide formats, the content, and we have the licensing with all our partners to deliver the content in a co-branded manner. So the advisor is ever present beside a New York Times article or Wall Street Journal article. It's the advisor's picture or the team picture, his or her contact info, um, right beside the actual article. We're not sending the client or the prospect off to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal website where there'll be a paywall. Um, and even if they do have a subscription, they'll get in, they'll see it, but the advisor his branding or her branding will not be there. And instead, that article will be surrounded by competing advertising. You know, Raymond James, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, robo-advisors, and different calls to action. 
So we believe that's counterproductive to send that person, that that client or prospect off to somewhere where they will not be present, but their competitors will be have a, are going to be able to market to them. We find that very counter counterproductive. So instead, our relationship is to bring the content into the advisor's web page. And we, yes, we, Julie, we do that formatting for all channels, all digital channels, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, websites, blogs, and email. But to your point, email. I think email is the most important marketing tool today. And, and I know that sounds crazy to some people, but it's not. I mean, inbound channels. Yeah. I mean, that's, there, you know, social, me- social media is very sexy right now and, and it gets so much media. And, and, you know, rightfully it's growing and it's, it, it's, 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 uh, it, it is becoming a more productive people are getting new clients from social media, but email is the most effective channel because it's outbound. You decide when you're going to communicate with your clients and the vast majority of our advisors communicate every Friday at 11 AM. Um, and they know that their people are going to receive that communication, see that content, see what the value they're providing their clients on a consistent basis. Uh, whereas inbound channels, you're not, you don't decide when a client comes to your website or when your a client comes to your, your LinkedIn page. And that's something I ask advisors, like when you woke up this morning, did you go to your veterinarian's webpage? Did you go to your mechanics LinkedIn? Did you go to your doctors, your accountants, your lawyers, uh, Facebook page? I didn't, I, I just, I'm busy and I, and I don't, I need someone to reach out to me. And sometimes those emails will drive me back to those inbound channels. But I think email is the critical piece of the mix. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with the two of you that it's 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 a lot more intimate because you're you know you're pushing something into a space mm-hmm. that where the client's going to see it where they may or may not see something in a feed. So the question that that sort of comes from that is, you know, how do you get to the right point where you're send you you talked before about how most clients say they would like to be in touch more often. How do you find that point right. where you're sending enough? to be on top of mind and to satisfy that need for the contact, but not so much that they, you know, that they start getting annoyed by it and potentially unsubscribe or, or, you know, right. turn, turn you off. Yeah. And that's a, again, a balance you want to get right. Um, you know, you don't want people unsubscribing as you say, um, and just generally being turned off by, but finding you too aggressive. So, what we've learned uh, after working with thousands of advisors over the last five years um, is that you need to put that decision in the hands of the actual client and of the prospect. Put them in the driver's seat. Let them choose, literally choose, the frequency at which they want you to communicate with them on it, through email. And so I, to all advisors out there, regardless of what you know automated marketing system they choose, they should make sure it has that tool, the ability for their client to change the frequency of delivery at any time. And at the beginning of the relationship, when we start working with a new advisor group, we always have them send out a welcome letter that says, and with a link in it, that says, click here anytime. And this link is also provided at the bottom of every communication we send. Please click here to adjust the frequency of communications. And so my, my answer, I guess, is it's really hard for you to decide and every client is unique. So you, you're either going to decide for all your clients yourself or you're going to do what we, we, we believe is the right way to do it is put the power in each and every one of your client's hands. Give them that tool, that ability to say, I only want to receive it monthly, continue with weekly. I only want it quarterly. I want it annually, whatever it is. But an interesting 
uh, insight to that is after working with thousands of advisors, we monitor all the unsubscribes across our whole group. We send millions of communications to investors every month and we monitor unsubscribes and we monitor the engagement rates, the open rates of the emails, and then the actual click-through rates or the, the rate that once somebody opens your newsletter or your email, do they actually consume the content inside of it? And what we've seen over five years is almost no clients um, reducing from weekly. There's been a few, but very, 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 very small percentage of, uh, like a very, a fraction of a percent of people over that time have actually decided that they want to receive communications less than weekly, which is shocking to some people. So we say, make sure you put that power in the hands of your clients that they're seeing it all the time. And I, I believe that even if they can't read all the content you send them each week, they're glad to get it. They know you're there. They know you're monitoring the world's events for them and their family. They know they can change the frequency if they get annoyed. And that's why the unsubscribe rate is extremely low as well. Hmm. And so how do you see content marketing generally uh, linking to referrals, which is, of course, what we love to talk about on this podcast? Right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, I mean, that's one of the main reasons we do what we do. Um, our, our goal in life at AdvisorStream is to, to increase client retention and to drive referrals. So when you start thinking about digital referrals or content-based referrals is what we call them here, um, you, you start to see there's a couple wonderful things about them. Um, and, you know, we'd love to show you how we do it exactly, how we, how we uh, generate leads or referrals for our clients. We, we can't do that today. But what we can do is talk about a little bit about how it happens. And it happens in two ways. It happens uh, when each Friday our advisors, new, we call it a news update, not a newsletter, but a news update goes out to their client base. Sometimes, as we talked about before, that could be five different newsletters that are all slightly different going out to different segments. Those go out, and then what we see is your an advisor's client will say, hey, that was a great article on estate planning for, for young people, which is you know counterintuitive thing. And perhaps that might make sense for that client's niece or nephew or coworker or whatever. And we'll see that client say, hey, that was a great article. I'm going to forward it. I'm going to share it with my, with my coworker or my brother or whatever. And we ensure that there's an opt-in on every single piece of content that goes out of our system. And every piece of content an advisor sends out, regardless of using advisor stream or something else, or they've created their own technology, they must have an opt-in. So that's the first way that we see leads getting generated. So what's happening is my brother, let's say, is the client of an advisor. My brother says, Kevin, here's a great economist video, and it's right up your alley, whatever it might be. I click that to read it because it came from my brother who I trust. We have about an 80% opt-in rate um, on content. So that's because it's not an advisor who I don't know sharing it with me. It's my brother. I open that piece of content and pop-up comes up. It shows me a picture of the advisor, says where he lives, what his contact information is, and it has a blurb explaining exactly what he's doing. I, he provides his clients with, premium, with access to premium content from New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Barron's. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Globe and Mail here in Canada, um, and and if I would like to receive ongoing communications, I can opt in right there and then. And we see eight and ten people opt in, and that's because it's someone who who they trust who's sharing with them. So that's one way we see that email based content being shared from clients to their network. We see a lot of leads generated that way, and then the second way we see, and it's a warm lead. Let me just touch on this. 
it's a warm referral because it has come with value. In other words, the first time I see the advisor's face, see his contact information, it's coming alongside something of value. This economist video that actually resonates with me, makes sense to me. And it says, reach out if you have any questions about this content. So before I even talk to the advisor, I know that he provides valuable content. So it truly is a warm digital referral. So, but was, and so when that happens, does the advisor get notified or is there an automation that gets triggered to that new person that yeah. sends some other kind of information? That's exactly right. As soon as the, that client opts in, um, you know, the referral has, has basically come from one of his existing clients by sharing content. This now referred person, this new lead has, is opted in. He's added to a contact list called referrals for referral leads in our system, in his account or her account, and they can now start communicating with them because the person has said, yes, please start communicating with me. I like what you share is valuable. So right away that triggers. And then we actually have some software that will tell you a lot about that person, what they do, where they live, uh, you know, their interests based on uh, information that's freely available uh, on the internet. We call that a referral or lead dossier. And Kevin, for someone who uh, isn't using an automated platform, what kind of recommendations do you have just to get started or dip your toe in the water with yeah. content marketing? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and there, there, there's you get a lot of different answers depending on who you you would ask. That I mean, of course, I would say come and try Advisor Stream for free. We we give everyone free trials. That that would be an easy way. But there are a few different systems out there. I would make sure there's a, a few. Th- key things to think about regardless of how they do it i mean frankly you can go to the wall street journal and you can license any piece of content directly from it yourself you could then if you had the skills in house you could format that um and then you could send it out and you could monitor the response yourself um you know there's there's quite a bit of work in that but let's say you have a large marketing team and a large budget you could do that Um, but regardless of how you do it there's really three key things that we would highly suggest. And one is that you're using quality content. And quality content, we talked about that a little bit, but it's content from credible, respected sources. It's current. You're not sending something out that's old. And, and what is old today is, is quickly becoming a, a shorter time period on what people will find old news and, and new news. But sure, so first principle here is credible content. Second one is get it out to more than one channel. You want to get it out to all your channels, um, even those those web-based channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and your website. Those are good places to have that great content as long as you have that opt-in. That's the other key piece here. If you people don't have the ability to opt-in, then you're doing an exercise um, that's not going to return any fruit. It's not going to bear any fruit. Um, so quality content with an opt-in, and then be consistent. You know, if you receive one piece of content by email. Or because somebody has gone to one of your web properties and, and viewed a, an article or a video, um, you've got to consistently do that. If I come back to your website in two months and there's no new content, or even in two weeks and there's no new content, I'm probably not going to come back again. It's gone stale. Um, and then uh, uh, to, to the first point on quality content, if I go to your website or I receive an email from you and you're sending me something that's not related to me, how to get started with investing, and I'm a uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm 58 years old and I'm preparing, you know, it's not <laughs> sure. really what I read or how to get rid of your student debt. 
and, and you have four <laughs> children. And you, you know, so, and you see this all the time. You see it all the time, and it's quite amazing. You immediately are turning that person off. So, regardless of how you get started, I would focus on those principles: good content and the right content to the right people, a method to opt in, so that you actually have a return on your marketing dollar, content marketing dollar investment here, and then thirdly, consistency. That's awesome. Well, um, as usual, I could uh, listen to this all day. Some really, I, I love. Uh, the innovation in the whole uh, area of marketing technologies. And I don't know if we, we talk about these enough. It's, it's terrific to see. So Kevin, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, it was a true pleasure, uh, both of you. I, I, I thank you both for having me on and I love what you're doing. And Excellent. Kevin, where can people find you if they wanted to find uh, find out more about AdvisorStream or how to do this stuff? Yeah, so the easiest way is to go to AdvisorStream.com. So it's spelled with an O. Um, so AdvisorStream.com. Please come. Please try the product. You can try it for free. If you like it, we think you will. You can continue to use it. Perfect. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Steve. Hey, folks. Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.